Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast with Erwin McManus. And Darren McManus. Hey. And this is a daily podcast that we put out. Every once in a while. On the, on the days that we actually do a podcast. So we reserve the right to refuse to release. Um, so tonight we're talking about the three things you cannot live without. You like it? Mm. Do you know well, what they gonna, are? We're only going to talk about two of them and leave you hanging. We're going to make a guess. <laughs> So you have to come back next week. TBD. The three things. The three things. You cannot live without. You can't live without. Do you want to start it off? No, you're going to tell us what those are. No, come on. So we're going to tell them what they are, and then we're going to talk about them, and why they're the three things we can't live without. Right. And then we're going to rate them in in order of of difficulty. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Faith. I think you know the next one. Hope. And love. First Corinthians chapter 13. How, how deep do you want to go? First start, Corinthians chapter 13. Beginning of verse 13. 11. Let's go verse 11. He doesn't need a Bible. I need a Bible. Um, he has it in his heart, in his mind. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I think this is really important because the backdrop is that Paul is talking to the church in Rome about spiritual gifts. And they're really fixated on spiritual gifts. I don't know if you've ever had an experience in a, uh, in a church or um, a spiritual environment where people just really fixated on um, expressing their faith, whether it's through unique gifts or particular ones. And Paul's talking to them about all these spiritual gifts, and they're all important, they're all significant. He talks about prophecy and tongues and wisdom and knowledge and teaching and mercy and administration and leadership. But then he basically says that um, all that stuff is an expression of us not seeing clearly who God is, and who we are to become. That there's actually more. There's something deeper, more profound. And then he says, and, and there's three of them. And, as, and he says, and these three remain. So in other words, everything else disappears when we finally are fully known. Everything else disappears when we finally understand fully. When we only stand in part, we're focused on what gifts we have. But when we move to a deeper level, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I know the first time I ever read these, you remember, I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in faith. All this was kind of new for me. And I, I don't even know if I ever heard these in a hallmark. I don't think I knew like all the conversation about love was in the Bible. I just knew 1 Corinthians 13 was owned by hallmark, trademarked by them. And it always struck me as very unique that these three were the ones that Paul highlighted because coming from a psychology and philosophy background, I just kind of had to ask the question, why? Why are these so important? Why are they essential? Or is this just sort of a romantic description of humanity? You know, you ever think something is just inspiring but not really meaningful? We're not supposed to say that about anything in the Bible. <laughs> but faith, hope, and love kind of creates a contrast because... Um, if there's no faith, there's 
He's asking you guys. I am, what I am here is I'm the representation of you guys. <laughs> so when he asks me a question, is you. So when there's no faith, there's no. No, that's no, no hope. No, no, they're not connected. That okay. When, when there's no faith, there's doubt. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. there we go. Come on. All right. We you have were, guests. Okay. We have guests here. Don't embarrass us. Okay. Behave. <laughs> All right, well, we'll say there's more than one right answer, but uh, let, let's get one of the right answers, okay? And, uh, all right, so when there's no faith, there's, and there are other things, and we're going to talk about those, but for certain doubt. Right. When there's no hope, there's despair. Trick. That's well, good. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Despair. And when there's no love, there's, okay, at, very, at the very least, right? Right, Yeah. And Absolutely. so I, I wanted to like begin by um, asking you, Aaron, like one, um, the scriptures tell us that these are really important. Yes. But they're important, but they're really easy too, right? Yeah, so easy. Uh, no, not at all. They're all hard. Isn't it odd that the three things that are supposed to be most important to God for us are incredibly difficult? So I thought, one of the things Aaron loves is he loves being transparent in front of a, a large group. So great. And so I so wanted good. Aaron to rate faith, hope, and love based on which is the easiest to the next easiest to the hardest. Right? So you have to start with the, which one of the three for you would be, I say, okay, maybe it's still a struggle, but this one's easier than this one. Because I, I want you to say for last the one that's the hardest. All right, so of the three... Yeah, the three. No, the three. The three. We got it. Uh, faith, hope, and love. <laughs> it, it really. I, th- I feel like oftentimes it depends on the day. Like if there's really bad traffic. <laughs> why? Why is that an oh moment? I'm being real. You want to get up here and be real? Oh, well, I would love that. Uh, no. Uh, I today. I think. <laughs> no. Something that we were talking about recently was I think that I love love. Like, if you know me, Pride and Prejudice is number one. Oh. What's up? I'm mm-hmm. Mr. Darcy right here forever. You see, you thought he was a Blade Runner man, but he's no, actually I love a Pride love. and Prejudice. Like, the, the notebook. That was an accident. My, this is all my mother. This is like Christmas time, college, come home, and she's like, we're watching movies. So he doesn't just look like Ryan Grossling. He actually feels oh, like him. <laughs> if I look... No, so, I told you this week, this is, I thought I that one like day... This. I usually make fun of you. <laughs> That's why I'm jumping in fast. And uh, I told you this week, I thought that one day you're going to be writing novels. And he said, I'm going to write romance novels. <laughs> and I just immediately thought of like the guy, the, what? What did you say? You chill, chill, right, right. Um, That's my little sister in the front wearing bright red, and she's amazing. And um, I love her more than anything in the whole world. Uh, so were you rating love as the easiest? No, I'm, I'm ra- yeah, I'm rating love as the easiest to, to uh, aspire to because I always want to love. But I think that might be the one that it could like flip a coin and it could go real quick the other way depending if someone cut me off or if like... <laughs> or if there are humans involved. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the human factor for me is very detrimental. And, um, but, but I do think this is interesting because I do think you are like a hopeless romantic. Absolutely. Absolutely. How many would say you're a hopeless romantic? Like you, all Come the women. On, Matt Pagan. Okay, three you, guys. Yeah, you, okay, three dudes. Matt Pagan, single but not. Did Matt Pagan on. raise his hand? He did. Okay, good. I want to make because I know you, and uh, 
You're, you're about deep love. And uh, you ever notice that the people who are in, in many ways like romantics are the most disappointed with love? Would you say that's true, Aaron? I'm so mad at love all the time. <laughs> I, I'm like the kid in, is it about a boy? When he, like, when he gets the Walkman and he like, falls in love with the big bully girl and he's just so mad and he's like hopelessly and he's like, I met a girl. And, or is that, is that about a boy? No, no, I'm mixing it up. That's the other British movie, the other Christmas British movie where they're all in there. Never mind, different movie. It's fine, it's fine. Love Actually. Love That's actually. the one. I'm like Love Actually. I'm like that guy. That, and always, I'm like always heartbroken with like the girl that I never even fell in love with. You know, and I, and I think that oftentimes can be the way, not to make this super deep and just transition, but. No, it's, okay, it's okay to go deep. Go ahead. Take us there and see if you can climb back out. <laughs> <laughs> this is not fun. <laughs> Don't um, you think this is the best one already? Uh, no, I love. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. No, I think. You love? I love love. Can you say it? Love, love. love. It's not as bad as it sounds. No, but I think so oftentimes that I can love love so much that I get uh, captured in the wrong kind of love, that I uh, depend on love from someone else more than I actually depend on my love from God. And then I determine my value off of the love that I don't have from that person that I had from at some point. And if you're my sister Mariah, you know that's a true thing. And in every relationship that I've had, not that I've had a lot of them, but the ones that I've had that are meaningful, I've, it's been like a pit I have to climb out of. Even the ones that have gone well, I feel like it drastically changes the way that I relate to my faith. And that's been a conversation we've been having of how do I not let love mess up and get in the way of the real love that I have with God? And how do I actually, uh, even the right kind of love, because I think the right kind of love you know, like having a pure, even when you date someone and everything goes right and you're just like, it's like coffee's only and you're not even holding hands yet and it's just like, all of a sudden it just falls apart and you're like, wait, but you don't call me back. But you can see my DMs, you can see my texts. It says red. <laughs> this is getting too real. This is getting too real. No, but, but do you know what I mean? And I, think, and I think that sometimes can just like fog my brain up and fog our brains up so much to where we're not actually seeing what God has in front of us because we're so worried about the people around us. You know what I mean? And me and Matt Pagan keep each other accountable with that actually a lot actually. So I think there's a, I almost have a visual for what you've shared because when love comes from the outside in, you're fragile. And when love comes from the inside out, you actually become resilient. Wow. That's amazing. And right. I wouldn't say fragile, but I would say, <laughs> I would say, yeah, it could. It How about could, vulnerable? Oh, there we go. Yeah. And, uh, could break on impact. But it, I think it's true. And this is why, you see, it's important for God's love to not be an outside in love, but God's love to be an inside out love. And I think that's the differential between religion and Jesus. That religion sees love is out there and you have to aspire for it. You have to work for it. You have to earn it. You have to struggle for it. You have to suffer for it. And so religion is a cruel lover because you spend your entire life trying to win God's love and you live loveless. And because of that, you feel that you're unlovable and you either end up becoming bitter toward God because he will not love you no matter how hard you try. Or you become broken because you believe you're unlovable 
because God could never love you no matter what you did. But when love becomes an inside-out dynamic, when you live in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, you have God's love at the core, at the center of who you are, and then it moves from the inside out. And by the way, it makes you a safer relationship. It makes you a stronger relationship because you're not working from a hollow center searching for love to meet that. Because the truth is no human being can love you well enough. Because, you know, I cannot love my wife Kim well enough. And uh, for her deepest need to be met. So if she's dependent on my ability to love her, it's always going to fall short. She's always going to have this emptiness inside of her. And, but when you have God at the core, when you have Jesus at your core, when his love envelops you and fills you, then you, it's almost as if you have a, a strength that allows you to allow someone else's inadequate love to be enough. Because human love is always the connection of inadequate love. Can we just be honest about that? Yeah. And that's the power of love, that you love someone, not that has loved you perfectly, but that you love beyond their imperfection. So it's strange because you pick the one that you, you, I think, admire the most and long for the most, but I think you may have picked the one that also like a great struggle and a great challenge. I mean, I, as I said previously, that they're all a great struggle. <laughs> um, but no, but I think that's the one, I think that's the most important battle that uh, I always think I can win in the day, but really it's a lifelong battle of even when, because like, just even loving like mom, like Kim, Kimmy, I call her Kimmy now. I stopped calling her mom about three months ago, and she hates it. But I'm like, Kimmy, you just—it's the best name ever. But she does. She says, "When did you start calling me Kimmy?" And I was like, "Mom, don't you remember? It was like only a couple weeks ago." Um, no, but she's not someone who 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 uh, you'd ever think needs a lot of love because she's so resilient, so tough, so positive, so joyful. She just evokes courage and bravery, but then. She's someone I've watched you love endlessly. And even the times where she pretends like she doesn't need it, I've watched it change her life. And it's cool because I say my parents, my parents didn't really have parents, so I'm the, I'm the experiment. And um, the guinea pig. And so my problems are their problems. <laughs> and um, no, but there was the, the time around 18 or 19 when you realize your parents are actually like they're figuring it out too. And then your mind blows. And it's like this Ferris Bueller day. And you're like... Ah, oh, the world is open, <laughs> and um, and I and I realized that at eighteen, nineteen, when my when me and Kimmy sat down and and we had this whole conversation about love and how we don't receive it. We receive it the same way that we both pretend like we don't need it, and yet we crave it from the other person. That and I think that we play that game with God so much that we're like, oh, I don't, I don't need you right now because everything's good, but then the moment I need you, I need you to be there as if we've been loving each other the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think God's always saying, oh, I've loved you the whole time. You just haven't figured out how to receive it. And, and that was the conversation I had with my mom. And, and we both were like, oh, we just don't know how to get on the same plane. And so it's been fun because it's like 10 years later and I'm calling her Kimmy now. Yeah. And you know, one of the differences is that when we don't find the love that we need from the other person and then they're ready to give it to us, we, we have what I would call a withholding period. Hmm. 
where we were like, okay, I need your love, but you didn't give it to me. So now that you need mine, it's time to withhold so that you can know what you've lost. Yeah. So you can feel a little bit of my pain. You can feel a little, you know, what I was feeling. And God doesn't have a withholding period. Even when you withhold your love from him, the moment you're ready, he's like, I've been ready the whole time. He just steps into that, you know. So let's, let's shift, all right? So love. So what would be the next one? The next challenge. I mean, I think faith is an interesting, is an interesting challenge. I've, that I'm the most, when left to my own self too long, can become a very like introverted, introspective, like negative person when it comes to like the world and faith and God. And I'm like, look at Genesis 1. He didn't do all that. There's no way. Six days, there's no way. Um, and, and, and throughout my life, I think the Bible, even just going into the word in faith and I had moments seasons long seasons where I didn't believe and the seasons where I did believe or seasons where I've always believed in Jesus but didn't necessarily believe in the details and I think that's the beauty of God because even with and so now I I I laugh because I'll have like a moment in the shower because all the good stuff happens in the shower like anything like creative if you you know you write the hits in the shower um right David right you write the hits in the shower yeah for sure um uh we don't shower in the same shower, but um, that's weird. We're that's not weird. we're not that's co-writing. So we're not co-writing. Okay. <laughs> we don't co-write in the shower. We, we co-write in the jacuzzi. Um, but no, but that like now I laugh because I go, God, you're like really big, God. And I and do you ever have those moments where you try to backtrack God and you're like, okay, so my mom, my parents created me, and then their parents created them, and then someone a thousand years ago created that person, and then you keep going back and back and back, and you're like, okay, so but then who created that first person? And then you're like, okay, so wait, if we were created or not, you know, maybe there's a big bang, but then stuff happened, and then that's how we got Ice Age 1 through 7. And, uh, and, and then you go... No, Aaron it's not thinks even a those are documentaries, so don't want to tell No, but I, like, it was like Google Map. Like, you keep hitting zoom out. You keep hitting zoom out, and now I'm like... Okay, so I'm in all of these galaxies and all of these black holes, and now I'm in these suns and these stars, and I'm like, God, how did you do it? Or I'm like, God, if you're real or not, how did you do it? And then I kind of go, okay, Aaron, look at the ridiculousness. You're still crying out. You're still having conversations with a God you don't know quite if exists or not. Like, even when I didn't believe, I was, like, still arguing with something, and I've just called him God now. And I've just realized that through different relationships and through moments in my life where uh, were so apparent and so real and, and that he stepped into my life and it, it blew my mind. And I was like, oh, that's God. You know what I mean? And I think there's, there's this, this image of, and maybe I'm not explaining this well, there's like the bigness of God that I've always struggled with. Like, okay, it's easy to like understand that God created Mariah because she's this little miracle child. She has like an awesome husband. She's beautiful. She writes amazing songs, loves Jesus. But then I'm like, then there's like, then how did God create the guy who drove a truck into people in New York City yesterday. And that's the part that I have the struggle with of like, okay, God, how did you do that? And then how did we struggle with our identity and my identity? And I go, okay, God, you've put enough people in my life to where I've seen the love, I've felt love, I've seen the passion, I've seen people's lives change. And, and then I go, okay, I, I, think, I think you're real, I think you're real. And then he blows my mind again. 
and then my heart gets broken, and then he comes and fixes it, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's just like this endless struggle. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I kind of love it because I, I don't think God's ever, like, insecure. Uh, so I think I can question all the time. And I think it's, and it's not in like a, and I don't say that in a frivolous way because I take that very seriously, the questions I'm asking God. But I think sometimes I'm like, are you still out there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you could show up. Right I remember, now. I think you were like 12 years old. Was I? Yeah. I was always 12 years old. Always 12 in, in my mind, I know. I have no sense of chronology. And uh, they both came to me and said, hey, could you talk about us as if we're adults now? And, uh, but yesterday when Aaron was 12. And uh, I only have yesterday, tomorrow, and today. That's, a, that's all I got. But I think he's around 12 years old. We're driving in the car. And uh, Aaron said, hey, Dad, you know, um, I don't think that I would be a Christian if I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Now, that was odd because I never used the phrase Christian, so I knew he was getting it from the school. And, uh, and he said, I don't think I'd be a Christian unless I, uh, if I hadn't been raised in a Christian home. And I, I tried to stay calm, you know, I mean. And so I just said, oh, really? I said, uh, how come? And uh, he said, I just have so many doubts and questions. So many doubts and questions. I realized the, the poor, like, the poor kid has been cursed with a brain. Right? I, just, I know there have to be people who don't think and don't question and don't ask you know, the painfully impossible to answer things of life, but he wasn't one of those. And so here he is at 12, just like grappling with faith. And I just have so many doubts and questions. And so I, we just kept driving. And I, and I thought, okay, what do I, you know, how do I answer that? And I, and I said, oh, oh, doubts and questions. Those are okay. I have lots of those. And he goes, no. Oh. And, and we drove, and it was quiet. And I said, so what do you think you're going to do? <laughs> you know, this is an important question when you're the pastor. And, uh, and your kid's telling you, I don't know. I have too many doubts and questions to believe. And, and then he said, um, well, I've met God, so I don't know what I can do. I thought, See? That, <laughs> and I, I thought, that, that's, the, that's, I think, the dialectic. That's the tension that you live in. Yeah. You've met God, so you don't know what you can do. And you have all these doubts and questions, and you don't know what to do. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people don't believe because they think we don't have doubts and questions, so they think we're stupid. Because really, the only way you could not have at least questions, maybe if you never have doubts, is to not think. Right. Right? Can I say something to that, though? Because yeah. the people who think we're stupid... Because there's, there's, I sometimes think, because then I, I, there's that moment, the moment in the shower and I'm having the conversation about the universe. There's always that place where I go, ah, this is the place where I think God really draws the line and goes, I've shown you what I've shown you. And now it's your time to jump and decide if this is faith or not for you. And every time I go, oh, if I'm going to be stupid about anything, it's going to be about this. Because I've seen people's lives change. And it isn't so much about the, the people I've seen healed or the people the, the miraculous i think i've literally seen people broken and i was one of those people broken and actually got to watch people like this girl in the second row hodges right there just love me and surround me and friends that i would have never expected and they liked me even when i was a jerk and rough and not kind and used so much bad language and it was just awful and I, maybe it wasn't as bad, but I think inside I felt like I was. Like I was just ball of like turmoil. And that, those are the moments where I go, oh, I just want to find that kid 
who just is going to combust at any moment. And I want to be there to go, hey, God loves you. And this is, this is we're going to That's bring so you back good. home. And you can keep lighting yourself on fire, but we're going to be here with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah okay. so good. Keep going. So that's faith is too. That's good. And you know, what, what strikes me just kind of like putting the, these two together is that um, if you don't deal with love, you're going to find yourself alone, disconnected, isolated, uh, desperate. I don't know if there's any greater desperation than a person who's disconnected from other human beings. And one of the reasons God creates community, he doesn't just bring us to himself and then lets us walk in the woods alone. That idea of, you know, it's, I, don't need any, I don't need church, I don't, all I need is God, that's just one of the biggest lies you could ever embrace. Uh, because without God, you desperately need people. And with God, you know you desperately need people. So they're both the same, but one allows you to lie to yourself. And and love cures our disconnection. Because being loved by people is not what cures your disconnection. The ability to love people is what cures your disconnection. So you don't need to go find a place where everyone loves you. You need to go find a place where you're willing to love everyone. And then with, with faith in a practical, everyday, tangible, why do I need faith? is because doubt has um, a companion it takes everywhere. And uh, he's called fear. And the further you move away from a life of faith, the more you will be paralyzed by fear. Because doubt sounds kind of an intellectual space, right? I doubt. And if all you did was doubt, you might do okay. But doubt, when you, you follow the roots of doubt deep, what it ends up creating as fruit is fear. And you end up living your life paralyzed because you don't have faith in God. You don't have faith in the future. You don't, in, in the end, have faith in yourself. And the problem is when you have faith in yourself, you will fail. So if all you have is faith in you, when you can't do it, where does your faith go? See, when I fail, when I fall apart, when I mess up, when I blow, when I am less than I should be, It doesn't shake my faith because my faith wasn't in me. My faith was actually in Jesus. And he doesn't fail and he doesn't give up and he doesn't fall short. So my faith is always rooted in someone who's bigger than my moment. And that's how you can actually expel fear from your life. That's why faith is so important. That's why people without God will tell you, you need to have confidence, you need to have confidence, you need to have confidence. People who are life coaches, who talk to you about how, how to overcome your failure, how to be determined, how to you know, uh, win the prize, how to be successful, they're going to find other language for faith. But it's still faith. And, and the problem sometimes is you're putting faith in stuff that's just elusive and not real. And that's worse than faith. A lot of people go, I, I'm too reasonable. I, I can't live my life on faith. I'm like, wow, you're so unreasonable. Because you're living your life on an illusion that's less than faith. And, and, I, and I think this is the power of how God created us. He created us to have faith. And we were talking earlier about the nuance between faith and faithfulness. And because, you know, sometimes like faith feels like it's like magic. Right? If you have faith, boom. God shows up like a genie, right? You get three wish, wishes and you get to rub the, you know, the lamp. And, and God shows because faith... 
right, is the thing that moves mountains. And we want faith, but we're not that crazy about faithfulness. And, and I think the reality is that, um, in fact, I love this verse, and I think this kind of like, for me, ties it together. Because it's, I didn't grow up in church, so I think churches are kind of weird. Because they do like weird things when they come together to show how much faith they have. And like, it creeps me out. I just got to be honest. I go, I'm doing the best I can to understand. And, but you know, you put 2,000 people who need therapy and add Jesus and it just creates weird. And, uh, but that's just me. But here's um, what Galatians 5, 6 says. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts. See, and I actually believe the Bible. So when it says the only thing that counts, I'm going to believe it. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And I don't know why or how, but the church seems to want to express faith without the filter of love. Which, which, like, if you invite people over for dinner, if you love those people more than yourself, you're adapting your environment to their joy. If you actually don't care about people, you just expect them to adapt to your environment. Man, have you ever seen somebody go crazy? It's when they fall in love. Like, you ever seen a guy who didn't like to be interrupted or put out of, you know, his own safety zone? Or, man, the moment that guy falls in love, he loses his mind. He starts buying dead things called flowers. He, right, you know, he buys gifts, investing in that person as if they're going to be together forever, and they break up three months later. I mean, I've never seen people change their whole view of economy. Except for I dating. Who cares about the future? It's this moment. Right? You know? And uh, you no longer worry about germs. And uh, sorry. And, uh, just thought I'd throw that in there. But I was like yeah, sharing drinks and food. That's what I had. And there's, nothing there's else. like a backstory. He's not a sharer. That's I'm not a sharer. And, uh, the moment you drink his drink, it's your drink now. Yeah, I'm going, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. Not a sharer. Which, there's like... <laughs> I go... Back to my point, which is far more important. (laughs) Nothing makes a person act crazier than when they fall in love. Because it's a shift of priorities. Somebody's more important than you. And and the moment someone becomes more important than you, it changes your entire value system. And and so I love this. It says that what only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What does that mean for those of us who are like followers of Christ? You know, rather than going, how's the church meeting my needs? Right? You know, it's now faith expressed through love, which means we are the church. How can we meet people's needs? It's a shift. It's a shift, right? I mean, I always have people over the years come and go, hey, where, like, where in church can I express my gifts? I'm like, one, what makes you think that that's what we're supposed to do when we come together? Because, see, this space isn't supposed to be for us to be self-indulgent. This space is actually supposed to be for us to create a way of serving people through love. That's everything we do. And, um, and, but we got to go to the last one because our time is running out quickly. Unless you have a comment you want to make about love or faith. Uh-huh. You've made several great points, I think. Do you want to move on to hope? Oh, is, you're encouraging me. Thank you. I think what you've shared has been so insightful and oh, so powerful. no, no, no. Thank you so yeah? much. That's not what I meant. I don't need you to love me right now. So now <laughs> this is a great transition to talk about hope. Hope. <laughs> because I think we miss our best future because we lack hope. 
because there, there are moments in our life that God almost like puts there and as a, you know, it, it looks like a, um, it looks like a fastball, but it's really just set up on a tee. And because our perception is that it's too big, the moment's too big for us. We're not big enough for the moment. We're not talented enough. We're not gifted enough. We're not intelligent enough. We're not prepared enough. And so a lot of times we're f- afraid to get up. Since the Dodgers played tonight in game seven, we'll just use that metaphor. We're, we're afraid to get up to bat because some of like our favorite players struck out every single time tonight. And you, and you know, they're going to be haters going, man, he struck out every single time. And you know who's going to say that? People who never made it to the pros. See, you, you won't hear any pros probably saying that. Because they know what it's like to get up there and swing and miss and swing and miss and swing and miss. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there going, that guy had the guts to swing and miss. I don't even know if I want to stand near that plate if that guy's going to throw that ball 96 miles an hour. And he has an intent to injure. You know, and by throwing me out. And I watched several guys get hit. That takes a lot of courage to stand in there. And I, and I feel like this is the power of hope because we talk about the opposite of hope being despair. Despair or hopelessness. Or hopelessness. Sorry, that's true. And they're taking the same word. Yeah. And <laughs> you have a thought. Despair. Yeah, I have a thought. No, I, I mean, what we were reading, I was reading this passage this week uh, that you speak on a lot. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and it's about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And that's a verse you go back to again and again. And we joke, or I joke, that I'm Solomon when he says there's nothing new under the sun. Even though I have massive hope that like God is going to change the world and change people's lives. On the daily basis, I lose so much hope. Like I have a big vision for hope. But I have like the daily, like, de- like the desert. I'm just always forgetful that like, oh, God actually loves me even though today I'm just getting a coffee and meeting up with a few people and working on the website for church or X, Y, Z. And I think, and I'll, and I'll call him and I'll be like, I called you today. I said, Dad, what am I doing with my life? I know I'm doing what I want to do and what I love, but is it actually putting a dent in anything that we're trying to accomplish? And you reminded me of a few things. And that on you've the, done really well. Yeah, you know, but even just as a team and even in this new campus and, and just all these people and friends and, and you're someone who's always so just a reminder of hope and some always building hope and going hey this is hope this is the things that you're these are the things you prayed for these things you were hoping for these things that you felt like god was putting on your heart and that idea of like faith in action and actually like being confident in the thing that you can't see or can't feel in that moment i'm such a feeler that i'm like if i don't feel the hope in that moment if i'm tired i feel that valley of kind of despair do you ever feel that like mondays after church has been incredible or after the Dodgers lose really bad. Or even we were like going hard last night at the World Series game. And we were screaming and yelling. And like we've just been baseball fans for two and a half weeks. Like this is a new thing. So I'm like putting everything out. And I'm like yelling. And then the next morning we were like talking. And I'm like it's so interesting how we can have highs and lows so quickly. And forget everything that we've been built on. That we've built this on love. Like he had this great point in the car. And he said it starts with love. And then everything comes out from there. If we can build on that. The, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. That I like. I go back to like kindergarten Aaron when I'm like checking my list in the mornings. Like, was I kind today? Was I patient? Was I peaceful? Was I actually having self-control? And I think so often my hope relies on am I accomplishing a dream today? 
And you just remind me that, like, hey, you might be, like, on day five of the journey of 15. And that the thing you're hoping for, the thing you're dreaming for, the thing that God's put on your heart that you're actually just in the process of. And that he, you know, and you were really encouraging today. You said you're on the trajectory. If you keep going this way, you're not going to ruin your life. And I was like, hey, that's a compliment. Let's go. Come on. That's a good thing. And I think so many times we're on the edge of a cliff. Or, and even with uh, a friend of ours who, you know, lost his life a few weeks ago, uh, he lost hope in what God had shown him and, and what we had reminded him. And, and, and that was his battle. And I think that's been something that has every morning when I wake up, I'm like, okay, that kid, we've got to find that kid who doesn't believe there's hope today. We've got to find that kid who doesn't believe their love today. We've got to find that kid who doesn't believe they have faith. And then to be that sometimes where I'm like, today I lack faith. Today I lack hope. Today I lack love. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about being here in a tribe like Mosaic. Because if you're with the people around you here, there's, there, you get this amazing sense of that there is hope that there is love, that we're going to build. And, and today you can lack this because I know that Matt Pagan has the other two. And I got love. I got, all I got is love today. But he's got faith and hope. And then tomorrow all I got is hope, but he's got love and, and the other one, you know? And, um, and, and so I think like even, I don't, there's, the point this is I, for me is that the, I've learned more in like the shadow of the hand of God or the valleys where I've been in such despair, where I felt hopeless, I feel like God's spoken to me in the biggest ways because God speaks to you through people oftentimes. And I see people and I'm like, gosh, like I see your, like it was, I hung out with Mariah and Jake last night and I was like, that is what love is. He flew back to see her for a day. And I get mad if she doesn't want to meet up for coffee with me. Like, and, and that to me was just like, okay, there's things, that was hope. That was love. That was faith. And I just so much am reminded by this community how strong you guys are and how strong we can be and how strong we can continue to be. And, like, and I, love, I love that idea. And so that's it. That's all I got. Slow fade out. <laughs> you know, almost 25 years ago, um, a friend of mine who was a professor at UCLA invited me to a basketball game. And um, he since that time uh, died of cancer. Uh, but he was one of the most influential professors at the university, and he focused on developing the athletes, taking their athletic skills and translating it so they could become academically successful. And he was the initiator of the strength finder that Gallup later developed since he was best friends with the owner of Gallup. And it was born out of our community here at Mosaic. And I remember we were at the basketball game, and Chip would have a way of just asking, like, I've been trying to watch a basketball game. He's trying to get into my soul, you know, and, and he just leaned over and he goes, what do you want to be known for? Right? Yeah. So I had a profound question at a basketball game and he just, what do you want to be known for? And I don't know if you've ever been asked a question and you just, you answered what you did not know. I never sat down and, and thought to myself, what do I want to be known for? I didn't even know if I would be known much less known for something. And, and I, I just immediately answered that. I, wanted to, I want to be a voice of hope. And when I said it, it was the first time I ever said it. But it, it came out so quickly and so naturally that I realized that that probably was the thing I was most misunderstood about. And that people wanted me to be against things. And I really found my strength in being for things. 
And if mosaic carries any culture, it's that mosaic is a voice of hope. It's an, it's an environment of hope. And, and as I kind of developed, I felt like what I want is I want people who come in here who, who take the risk of connecting in our community to find that their hope is being elevated. That somehow they believe in a better future. They believe in a better life. They believe in a better um, themselves. And ironically, when I left that basketball game and I was driving home, I was thinking, I want to be a voice of hope. Is that all of it? And by the time I pulled up to our driveway, I created my life mission, which was to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. And that became Mosaic's mission. And people say, what are your goals? You know, I would say, our goals as a community is to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. And I think if we, if we take on those as our mantle, if we take that on as our virtues, if we take that on as our culture, everything else that we need will happen. Everything else will become true and real for us. Because when I studied Freud before I ever knew Christ, I, I, I didn't agree with Freud's conclusions, but I definitely agreed with his um, his ambition. He was trying to figure out what motivates us. What is it that moves us as humans? And and then you know I studied you know Jung and Adler and Gestalt and transactional analysis and and uh, and then logotherapy. And I just kept studying and searching for all these different psychological filters. What is it that that drives us? What what is it that is at the core of our humanity? And when I opened up the scriptures, and I found these words, but these three remain, faith, hope, and love, that for me became the universal answer to the deepest human question. What can we not live without? What do humans actually need to live? And so tonight's podcast, what was the original question? What are the three things you cannot we live cannot without. live without? Yeah. I want to assure you that these are the three things you cannot live without. You, you can. You can live without money. It's not as fun. <laughs> but you can live without money. But don't pretend that money doesn't make your life better. It doesn't, you know, I mean, if you're miserable, isn't it better to be miserable rich than miserable poor? You can live without a car. You can live without a house. You can live without clothes. You can live without a lot of things. You can actually live without a boyfriend. You can live without a girlfriend. You can. I know you don't believe that, but you can, you know. You, you can live without cappuccinos and espressos and cortados and lattes. You can live without a lot of things that you have been accustomed to live with. But what you cannot live without as a human being is you cannot live without love. And, it, and every day you choose to live without love, your soul dies. And you cannot live without faith. And every day that you live without faith, you become paralyzed and incapable of creating the future God designed you to live. And you cannot live without hope. And when you try to live without hope, you start suffocating quickly. Despair, depression, anxiety, stress, 
every psychological definition of a human neurosis in the end becomes a human without hope. If you find hope, you will begin the process of healing. If you find faith, you will have the strength to move toward that healing. If you find love, you will find the very solve that will heal your deepest wounds. You can not only not live without them, you can only be fully alive with them. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus did not come just to help us identify what we need. He came to give us what we need. He came to be what we need. Because in the end, what humans need the most is completely relational. We need each other. We're designed for love and love transfers. We're designed for faith and faith transfers. Some of you didn't believe that other people's faith has elevated your faith. We are designed for hope. And if you're here without hope, I'm telling you, if you will step into this space, you will find hope. And if you risk coming back again and again, hope will become your normative, not your exception. See, this is our journey together. We struggle toward hope. We struggle toward love. We struggle toward faith. But I want to tell you, I can tell you this because in all of my struggles, I am wonderfully on the other side of this dimension. I, I am not uh, free of moments of despair or depression or anxiety. I'm not free of moments of doubt and questioning. I am not free of moments where I feel disconnected and alone. But I am on the other side of it. Love is my reality. Faith is my reality. Hope is my reality. Those are the things that actually dwell within me. Everything else is an outside element attacking in. You're in danger when those are your inside elements eating you from the inside out. Which is why it's so essential to trust Jesus with your life. <laughs>